Well, because we have uh, chapels to talk about in this class. Um, but let me talk about chapel first, then a devotional thought, then I'll pray, and then we're in. And we're going to officially usher in philosophy today. So we've been building and doing community code and talking about worldviews and building and ramping for this moment where we're going to, like, start. Um, but I appreciated Gene Frost today as the leader of our school. Of all the scripture passages he could have talked about, this was a really valuable one to choose. Uh, that showed a lot of wisdom on his part. Because I think it's interesting. What it, what it does is it sets up the responses, right? A lot of us are wondering, like, will it last? Well, yeah, if you've got the good soil, will it last? Oh, yeah, it'll not only last, it'll multiply. Last week will be powerful for you and for those around you. If you have that soil that's in, in your heart that's open and available to the scripture and to the spirit, right? But I love what he said. Like, if you got the hard heart, some of you watched your friends and had it had no effect on them. You watched. Literally, you're standing next to people. It's just bouncing right off. Yeah, that happens, right? Now, that scripture from Jesus 2,000 years ago, that's why Jesus told that story. It was for this reason. The spirit, the, the the kingdom of God, God's word, the Holy Spirit is just going to bounce off of that hard soil. Yeah? Some of us are going to get really, really excited like that retreat moment. Woo! And then what? It's just going to crash. And that, again, that parable helps us understand those phenomena. Does that make sense? So that was really wise for him to offer that as a tool for us to understand what happened and as we move forward couple things to keep in mind is God can break up hard soil. Just because you had the hard soil doesn't mean you can't still bear fruit from that if you let him break up the hard soil or go run down to Ace Harbor and get some fertilizer. You know, like we can, God can work with that. Uh, but it is also interesting to process that and bearing fruit and receiving fruit from last week. Um, I think another one is, was he talking about salvation today? Go on. we got to make that really clear in this class. Was Gene Frost talking about salvation? No, what was he talking about? The fruit of the Holy Spirit manifesting in powerful ways last week. I didn't, wasn't talking about I mean, maybe salvation was part of your week last week. He wasn't talking about that. We're saved by grace. You can have a hard, hard, crusty heart, and I'll see you in heaven and you won't bear much fruit. Does that make sense? So I think that's really important for us to clarify. Like, that wasn't about salvation. He wasn't, he was, a lot of people, he was talking about works and doing stuff. Yeah, of course he was. That's part of the kingdom. He wasn't talking about works, salvation, works. But the other one, too, that I thought was interesting, I'm not bashing Dr. Frost for this at all. I, I'm honoring his choice for what he did. But he did say something that some students thought was interesting, like, I'm going to struggle with anger the rest of my life. Does he have to? Did Jesus die on the cross so that you struggle with stuff? No, he died so that we would be what? Free. Now, we're all on a journey. So some of our journeys take longer than others. But I just, I don't want someone to lock in and like, well, I guess I'm going to struggle now the rest of my life. It doesn't have to be you. It might not be your story where you struggle all the time. He died so we could be free from struggling with sin. Do we have to deal with sin down here? Well, every day of our lives, we have to deal with it. It's all around us. Jesus had to deal with sin. Did he struggle with sin? Did Jesus struggle with sin? 
Nope. Not at all. Right, he's called us into that as well. So, a couple things to consider as you process chapel today. I really appreciated that parable in the context of last week. That was very timely. Really wise. It's nice to have someone at the helm like that. You know, it is convenient that our headmaster is a pastor. So <laughs> that helps, right? All right. Um, huh? Yeah. What? You didn't, what? You didn't know that? No, what? Uh, what? Go, go ask him. All right. <laughs> second, second thought that I want to share with you. This is devotional thoughts, right? I'll give context to certain things every now and then. This is one of those very personal moments for me. It happened this morning on my way to school. On the day that I'm teaching about faith and trust. And on the day that I'm really trying to help students understand this trustworthy concept. Which to me is just is really personal. This may not apply to you. That's not the point of it, really. The point is I'm sharing my journey with you. That's a devotional thought, right? So I'm driving to school, and this pastor named Seth Dahl, <coughs> who runs a ministry, powerful ministry to kids um, in his church, was talking about Jesus flipping over the tables. Uh, I love that passage. Mm. John talks about him actually making a whip for that moment, which don't mess right like but Jesus flipping over tables in the temple and it specifically says where the chief and the dumb like he's the money changers for that and the reason why those guys were there was because of the sacrificial system what was Jesus doing do we need that anymore no like ooh that's good I never heard that so Jesus is flipping over the money table saying get out get this religious sacrificial system out now, he hadn't died yet, and the temple hadn't torn yet, but the kingdom of God was there, which is him. And so he's like, we don't need this. And it's interesting, right after he flips over the tables and all that kind of stuff, and we get rid of the religious sacrificial system, that's where the blind come and are healed. The deaf are healed. The lame walk. Hmm. We get rid of the sacrificial religious system, and then in comes kingdom stuff like miracles and healings and signs and wonders and so then he said yeah if, and if you don't think that's what's going on here I love this because for me it was a really personal moment I've always wondered about when they brought the sick guy to Jesus and several times this happened but when Jesus says your sins are forgiven right and what do we all want him to do heal the guy I mean like Thanks for the forgiveness of sins, but really, I want my leg to be back. Like, I want to walk. I want to be healed. And Jesus starts with, and actually, at one point in one of the stories, he just, that's all he says. Yeah, your sins are forgiven. And you're like, um, uh. <laughs> you know, it's like this weird, awkward pause. He's like, oh, yeah, 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 and healed. And it's so interesting. This pastor is like, your sins are forgiven is that whole point of no more religion. No more sacrificial stuff. You're forgiven. Done. After we understand that culture of grace, then what happens? The healing. The king. We start living in the kingdom and from the kingdom. I thought that was cool. I don't know where it's touching you right now, but for me on the way to school, I've been on this huge journey of trying to let go of religion, let go of this religious spirit, and really live in a kingdom of grace. But not only just living in grace, learning how to live in this supernatural lifestyle of being like Jesus and living in that kingdom of 
the miraculous. Does that make sense? I thought it was kind of cool how this guy connected some of those dots that I hadn't seen connected before. If you wanted to connect with class, which doesn't have to, but if you wanted to connect with class, for me, I am renewing my mind. I'm not trusting the religious system. I'm learning to trust the kingdom of grace. And therefore, that's going to affect my life. Does that make sense? For me to shift that trust, it's taken part way too long, but I'm shifting my trust list to live a completely different way than I have before. That's today's class. It's about that. How do we, what's a trust list? What are we doing with our trust in our lives? And how do we renew our minds? Which is why we're doing Alligator Cave next. Fair enough? Thanks for listening. Thoughts, questions, comments? Let me pray. I'll pray. Lord, thanks for your grace. Thanks for personal touches. Thanks for a good leader like Gene Frost, whose willingness to inspire us and contextualize. Thanks how you really are working through us and in us. And I pray that you'd soften our hearts, soften the soil. For some of us, we need you to just plow through, <laughs> plow through us and our lives. Some of us are ready, 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 ready for these seeds to grow and to bear lots of fruit for your kingdom. Thanks for this concept of trust, and I pray that we can keep learning more and more how to shift, how to renew our hearts and minds into a, uh, a kingdom mindset. Help us to really trust you. Thanks for this class, the opportunities that we have here. In your name, amen. All right. Here we go. This is how I always start philosophy. So this is the official start of philosophy Woo! lesson. Yeah, there we go. Bring it. There we go. I like that. Thank you very much. Big sexy man. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? Amen. Right? All right. I got my hammer. This is my grandpa's hammer. Hammer is a tool. And whenever I teach philosophy, I will always start it with this. That the way that I teach philosophy, you get a lot of philosophy teachers out there. The way that I teach it is that philosophy is a tool. It is a means to an end. It's not what? Yeah. An end. It's not an end, right? You and I know philosophers like that. We know teachers like that. We know people like that when we mess up the means and the ends. And so it'd be like, if I think philosophy is the end, I'll probably just do a lot of talking and a lot of blabbering and just a lot of thinking. Not a lot of living, right? That'd be like me with this hammer. Hey, look at my hammer. I got a hammer. You want to know hammer? Yeah. I got a hammer. Imagine if, yeah, no, imagine if I like wore it around. I got a hammer. <laughs> I, every day I just walk around like I got a hammer. Not only would it look awkward, it would what? It would be awkward. Like, this is just awkward, right? Like, I'm missing the point of what? Hammers. You don't wear them around. I mean, you do, I guess. You know, you, you, a hammer is a tool. What should you do with a hammer? You should build things. Build things. Classic scenario would be using it to build a house, which is how I like to frame out philosophy. We use the tool of the philosophy to build a place to live. Does that make sense? A worldview to live from and to live in. So I'm going to use philosophy to build a trust list. A list of things that are worthy of my trust. Got it? That's the goal. I can build a house with this. Now, that would be a nice, cute little metaphor. Excuse me. <coughs> I think it works. 
I think it's even more effective when we extend it. Um, someone gave Stephen King an ice axe and told him to write an article about it. What did he turn the ice axe into? Stephen King. A weapon. It was like, oh my gosh, crazy. See, this could be used to build a house. What could I also use this Destroy. as? Tear down a house. I could tear down a house. I could kill someone with this thing. I could break a skull with this. And guess what people often use philosophy or theology or doctrine to do? To destroy people. To ruin their worldviews. To ruin their homes. To ruin their way of living. And does that happen? It happens a lot. It's really sad. It's really abusive. That's the, that's the problem with powerful tools. Philosophy is a powerful tool. And it's so powerful it can help you build a worldview to frame out reality and make meaning out of your life. It can also do what with reality and meaning? Destroy it and ruin it and warp it and twist it. So we've got to be really careful with this tool. Like a, a power nailer, right? Nail gun. got to be really careful with those things. I think the beauty of both sides of that metaphor, though, is that this can be used for destroy. C.S. Lewis has a really great quote, one of my favorites, about how when God comes to live in your house, what does he want to do? I've created this cute little cottage, and what does he want to build for himself? A castle, a palace. Right? So he's like knocking down walls. He's like, what is he doing to me? Right? And he's like, I'm going to live here. I'm not visiting. I'm going to live here. Ah! Right? So anybody here ever done demo work on a house? Yeah, yeah. I've used a hammer to take a wall down. Right? So that I could do what? Build a better one. Build a better wall. That, I think, would be the proposal of what you will hopefully find in this class. We're going to use philosophy. Some of us need to tear down some walls. I need to tear down that religious wall in me using philosophy and really good theology so that I can rebuild a wall that's a kingdom mindset of grace and truth. Does that make sense? I, I had to break some stuff down in my life to rebuild. Fair enough? It took five minutes. That's my little mini intro to philosophy. But I think for some of you, that little moment will help you frame out what we're doing in this class. And even better yet, why? Right? And here's the thing. I'm going to put the hammer here. It'll be sitting here all semester. At any moment, if you're like, wait, hammer moment. Like, why are we doing this, Mr. B? You, you sh should ask that. See, if it's just me floating around in the memes, like, I love philosophy, <laughs> like, whoa, time out. Uh, grounded here, like, there has to be a reason for this. Fair enough? You're always allowed to ask that. Is, does this connect to my life at all? And if it doesn't, well, I shouldn't be talking to you about it. Fair enough? Go team? All right, so that's the hammer mentality, the hammer image. Let me see how we're doing up here. This turned off. Let me turn it back on. All right, in front of you is uh, should be a note sheet that says Faith Island. Does everybody have one? Faith Island, Faith Island, Faith Island. Grab one, okay? Wait, where is the pastor? Ah, yeah, you go talk to him. Go talk to him. Is he actually a pastor? Yeah, he's a pastor. I like how he just I don't think he's pastoring church currently. Like, his full-time job is in the academy right now. But he's ordained and trained as a pastor and has pre he preaches. And yeah, no smoking Bibles. Yeah, isn't that cool? Really what? fun. Smoking Bibles. Amazing. He's got, he's got smoke Bibles. Smoke Bibles. He's smoking Bibles. I know it. If you're going to smoke something, 
at least smoke a bottle. Are you recording with this I am recording that. There we go. Isn't that fun? Smoking Bibles. All right. So many All right. So, here's the scoop. The way that I teach philosophy is that the world is broken into a bunch of trust lists. There's four big ones. Idealism, dualism, materialism, theism, right? Those are the big trust lists in our world. I will propose to you that Christ is the fullness of reality. He pulls all these together. He's the ultimate trust list. Like that's the way that I teach philosophy in a Christian school, the students, right? Underneath my shepherding. But basically what we're looking at these four worldviews, right? And, and then again, Christ is the fullness of reality. So that's how I teach philosophy. And the key for today's lesson is that everything we do is based off of trust. Every decision, daily minute decisions are all based off of trust. So uh, you'll get this handout eventually, no worries. But what we're gonna end up with, sorry, I gotta deal with this, it's gonna drive me nuts. What we're gonna end up with are these, this grid. And there's the big seven questions of philosophy. What happens when you die? Why are we here? What's a human being? And each worldview has a what? A list of answers that they trust. Does that make sense? So for example, my four-year-old asked me when, what happens when the dog dies, right? I think I talked about this, yes? I have to answer her. I'm gonna use what I trust to answer that question. Does that make sense? What I say is a big deal. Because for me to say, oh, well, the dog is just a pile of dust and her life is over and done, is a lot different than, well, we're all connected in one united spiritual being and, you know, pup's gonna come back as a bear. You know, like, those are very different things. Does that make sense? What did you tell me? Oh, I, actually, it's better for me not to, because we'll end up in a huge discussion. But I gave her a very healthy, Christ-centered, theistic response. Does God like animals? Okay, there we go. Okay. All right. So, but these are these lists. What happens? What do we do with morality? There's all these lists out there, okay? The basic framework for this class is that you use what you trust. Period. Right? Now, we could keep going, but uh, what you guys have in front of you right now is uh, the Faith Island notes. Now, it's funny. I'm changing, it says page two on the top, right? Because I used to have to teach everybody the four basic worldviews. I just did it in like three minutes. We basically have that. So we're just gonna jump into the Faith Island talk. And what I'm actually realizing is, I don't even know if I have to do the Faith Island talk anymore. Ooh. I know, it's kinda cool, it's happening with our culture. But what I used to say is, well, imagine that we're all on a little boat down in the South Pacific and our boat crashes up on some remote island. And imagine that you met the tribe there, and this tribe lives on what they call Faith Island, because everything they do is based off of faith. I'm talking to you, and I'm trusting that you're really there. And I'm eating my sandwich, and I'm really trusting that I'm eating it. Like, I, I have to believe that I'm eating it. And every time I'm walking around, and I'm like, I'm, I'm trusting that I'm on the beach. Like, everything's based off of trust. What would that be like, to live like that all the time? Hmm? 
Okay, that's that's the beauty of it. Where's Faith Island? Oh, right there in that remote area. Yeah. Faith Island is Earth. We all live on Faith Island. We have crash landed on this shore called Planet Earth, and everybody lives every waking moment of their lives based off of trust and faith. Now, are we always aware that we're doing that? No. The difference between my little story and what we are doing right now is that on that island, they're all aware of it. And if we were all aware of it all the time, it'd be what? Exhausting. exhausting. It'd be exhausting, right? So what have we done as a species? We've taken things that we deem as really trustworthy and called them True. truth, facts, knowledge, which allows us to navigate life without being freaked out all the time or living in this constant state of, oh my God, you know, suspect, right? But what I have to do and part of my job today is to help us all understand that at the core, everything about life is based off of trust. trust. Like it really all is. So we got 15 minutes left in class. And I've got some inception videos that we can watch. If we don't do them today, we'll do them on block day. We'll get there. But 15 minutes, and like here it is. I really would love it if you guys would push back a little bit. Like this is the time for the uh, devil's advocate or push, you know, push my button or I disagree, or pretend to disagree just for discussion's sake. But like, now is the time, because I'm here, and for us to move forward past this doesn't make sense if you don't agree. Now, just so you're aware, though, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to teach you something that I created. This is a philosophical principle, okay? Just, like, this isn't something I made up. This is reality for humanity. I'm just trying to help you understand it earlier than most people do. Some people never accept it as reality, right? <laughs> so here's the scoop. I'll say it like this. You and I cannot prove anything with 100% certitude. Yeah, I got a truth. Got to get an amen. But like, here's the scoop. Nothing. Like nothing. You ca we can't do it. It's not possible. If you can come up with that, I will give you an A-plus in the class right now, and we'll write a new book together and make history. <laughs> and you'll have ushered in a new reality for all of humanity. But, like, anybody got, like, what can we prove? Anybody got something they can prove to me? And here's the key. With 100% verifiable, certifiable, I've got it. 100%. Who's got it? What? Okay, now what are you using to make that statement? My own perception. Your own perception, which is based off of your what? Your eyes. And have your eyes ever been wrong? How about your brain? So could that wrinkle actually not be there? Could it? Yeah. Okay. Come on, ready to go. Give me something you can prove with 100% certitude. 1 plus 1 equals 2. Okay, now can we prove that with 100% certitude? Yes. Using what? Right? Using what? Mathematical, Mathematical equations which were created by Hugh, who? Human beings. It, it is something that we made up and we're using our brains to make that statement. Has your brain ever been wrong? Yes, very little time ago. Yes, but could it be, could it be wrong about that? Yeah, it could be. And actually, if you talk to, you guys know Mrs. or Miss Frizzy? 
Yes. Yeah. She's yeah. She's she's off getting her PhD in mathematics right now. I used to love this. I'm like, you guys go talk to Mr. Z about this. What will she say about mathematics? Is it 100% trustworthy? No. It's actually theory. And if you talk to a real mathematician, a real one, they will say, oh yeah, yeah, we have created. It is a human construct, and it's all theory. Oh. It it does. Now ready? Am I? What I'm saying here is that math is trustworthy, but we are what? We're trusting it, and we are fallible, so we might be wrong. Are we tracking? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. Jesus. I love that. Let's do the Bible one. Can I prove to you that I'm going to heaven? No. Do I know with 100% certitude that I'm going to heaven? Yep. Now, if you want to say yes, what is that knowledge based off of? The Bible verses that say it. And can I prove to you that the Bible verses are accurate and based off of true reality? Yep. I can prove it. Do you know with 100% certitude that the Bible is God's word? No. Yeah, we don't. See, a lot of you have had that hunch all along. We don't know for certain that it's God's word. We what? Trust. We trust that it's God's word. And is it trustworthy? I think so. A lot of other people don't. But we're trusting it. Now, that guy who did his chapel with the scrolls and all that, great, that's all fabulous. What was he trying to say about this ancient text? That it's a trustworthy text, and is it? Of all the ancient texts, probably the most trustworthy. But do we know that it's God's word? No, we're trusting that it is. I believe it is. That's the whole point. I what? Believe it is. We tracking? Can I prove to you that Jesus was God? See, some of us as Christians need to stop using that language. I can't prove that Jesus was God. I what? Believe. believe that he was God. Now, it's trustworthy. I believe it. But I can't prove it. Right? Why is that a little unsettling for some of us? Because we want the certainty. We like certitude. We want the certitude. We want to be right. Which is fine. Those things are fine. It's just we need to know where our certitude is coming from. Our certitude is coming from that which we deem as very trustworthy, so now we call it fact or knowledge or truth. Our truth is based off of that which we have deemed as trustworthy. Right? Yeah. So like basically like I believe personally that like scripture is God breathed, that like it was inspired by God. So do I. Yeah. So Can you prove it? Come on, can you? No. No, exactly. Yeah. So, like, but, so basically, I'm just trusting in that, that I believe that it was written. Yeah. Okay. I and then I can't prove it because, like, it's in the Bible. You like, can say you really trust the Bible, and you can say the Bible's trustworthy. Can you prove that it's right? You can, you can, thank you. That's great to go there. That's my job today. My job today is to get as many people on board. Some people never realize this their whole life. As your philosophy teacher, just FYI, <laughs> right? Like, it's all based off of trust. And the scary part about it is, oh my gosh, I could be wrong. wrong. Now, I'm not saying you are. I believe it to be right. I will keep talking after these two guys go. You have your hand up for a while. Go for it. You went to the bedrock. Nice job. You already Ooh. went there. Let's give it up right there. What did Descartes say? 
I think, therefore I am. And actually, I'm sorry, Descartes, I, I appreciate him as a philosopher, but how do we even know our thoughts are ours? <laughs> no, but wait, but wait, but how do you even know it's yours? You believe that it's your own thought. So, but actually, what, what works better, because now we're post, postmodern. What the postmoderns has helped us understand is that my thoughts might not even be mine. Oh my gosh, whatever. All I am is aware that I am. That's what we've got. That's all we've got. And even that is suspect, right? But at least I'm what? At least I'm here. <laughs> Once you lose awareness, you don't have anything else, right? So at least I am aware that I'm here. If that's the case, and by the way, is it for everybody in the room? Yeah, I'm okay. here. Okay, I'm here, you're there, I'm aware. We'll start there and do what with our lives? Make the most of it, right? And we're gonna, what will we use to make the most of our lives? What we trust. If you don't trust it, you're not gonna use it. A lot of you don't believe the Quran because you don't what? Trust it. Does that make sense? Some of you don't believe the Bible because you don't what? Some of you listen to your parents because you trust them, and some of you don't because you don't trust them. Is that you use what? Is that, are we tracking or getting some traction here? Yes. Okay, so just like back to believing, like improving. If we like people, that's always when people ask, like, "Oh, can you?" Pray? I love it. And Go like, there. Well, thank you. That's why we're thing. doing like, this right now. It kind of sounds like the place you need to start is not like, "Oh, like yes, because of this, this, and this," but like. Uh, no, if I can't prove it, then you can't prove it. Thank you. This is scary because I might be wrong. What's the advantage? Come on. You're wrong too. Yeah, when when well, Hitchens when Hitchens, Dawkins, and Harris go, God is not great, and a selfish gene, and God delusion, and they all say, I can prove there is no God. Can they? No. Nope. I know why Dawkins doesn't believe in God. He doesn't trust the supernatural. Well, what's the natural conclusion then? There's no God. Okay, thanks, Dawkins. You just told us you're trustless, and you don't trust it. I do. Thanks. What's on his trust list? Darwin. Okay. I trust him mostly, partially, but not completely like you do. It's all trustless conversation. He, he can't prove that he's right, but he can't prove that I'm wrong. Does that make sense? Now, everybody take a big, deep breath. Although we like our certitude, it's false platform. Because guess what? If we want our certitude, well, so do other people. And the nice thing is that can the Buddhists prove that they're right? Nope. Can the atheists prove that they're right? Nope. We're all on what? Faith Island. Everybody's using faith. And that should be as scary as it is. I mean, seriously, as scary as it is. It should be just as what? Comforting and reassuring. Yeah, it's a beautiful paradox. And I really like it. This is why I'm passionate about it. Because it's like, so when I'm in the college class and someone's ripping me to shreds for being a Christian, A, I'm trusting it. They're trusting their thing. All right, well, if I trusted what they trusted, I'd probably believe the same thing too, and I don't. <laughs> okay, professor, whatever, you know, you can trust whatever you want. Yeah? The key is that whatever you trust has consequences. Yes? Yeah, they, I, he's basically saying, I don't trust the Bible because of these things. Yeah. 
And I'll say, well, I do trust the Bible because of these things. And there you go. Yeah. Can I prove that it's God's word? No. Can they prove that it's not? the outside, that makes it look like an even playing field. Except it's, it's not, because we have the truth. Well, the and that's the beauty of it. it. it ready? It actually is an even, even playing field. What we'll find, though, is that the fullness of Christ is the fullness of reality. Like, truth is truth, and it's really powerful, and it sets you free. <coughs> ah, yes? And so it's not an even playing field, because when you have the truth and you can see, it's different than when you're blind, or you have half-truth. Does that make sense? Are we tracking? Are we tracking? But how do you know the truth is the but truth when you have it? What was that? Like, how do you know the truth is the you, truth? You don't you know that it's the truth. So you how lie. do you know that there is a truth then? You don't. Does that make sense? That's what so how are you telling us that there's a truth when you don't know the truth? I'm telling you that I believe. No, you. that's why we're here. I'm telling you that. I trust that Christ is so, the fullness of reality. Ready? Why? Yeah, I trust that it's the truth. Why? Because it's really the things that I've experienced are trustworthy. Ready, you guys? We just broke it all down, but ready? Let's build it back up. Is is gravity trustworthy? Well, yeah, is science trustworthy? Yeah, but is it completely trustworthy? No. No. Are your parents trustworthy? Hopefully, yeah, but are they fully? Like, does that make sense? Is the Bible trustworthy? Well, yes, completely, but ready? I believe the Bible is completely trustworthy, but my access to it is through what? My brain. Is that completely trustworthy? No. no. See where we're going there? So I, I think that's the thing. Let me do one last thing to kind of put the nail in the coffin for some of us, or take the nail, last nail out of the coffin, however you want to say it. When I do this, who knows with 100% certitude that when I let go, it will drop? So you know the future. <laughs> you ready? Do you? I know. You could. You wait. Right? See, I love it. You know from experience that it will drop. So you're trusting what? That it will fall. Experience. And is experience pretty trustworthy? Yes. Yeah, but could it do something else? <laughs> now, ready? If you want to say no, even scientifically, if I let go of this, if the earth and the moon shifted or whatever, could it like float a different direction? No, because it's Now, wait, ready? I love it though. Sure, but it probably won't. But it what? Ah, whenever we say that, we're good. We have scripture to support this. We see through a glass darkly, then we shall see face to face. Then I shall be fully known, and I will fully know. It's part of getting kicked out of Eden. We live on Faith Island. Everything's based off of trust and belief. Does that make sense? Now, again, can we build a pretty healthy trust list? Well, yeah. I think the homework is, what's your trust list? What are you trusting? And is it all that trustworthy? <laughs> what? I said, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's not just homework for Thursday. That's your homework. That's homework for life. Like, that's your life homework. Is what I'm trusting trustworthy? And if it's not, well, you might even chuck it. Does that make sense? Are we tracking? Now, here's, here's the scoop. I have a video. Oh, that's not what I want to do. I have a video uh, from Inception. And it's this rooftop scene. All right, which is really powerful. Yeah. Now, if you're not, 
I don't have, I don't have enough time to really show it. Let me give you guys a quick thought. And we ready? We'll show it. We'll show Inception on Thursday after the cave. Got it? But watch what he does. Who's seen Inception? Oh. Okay. Give me the last three minutes of class to talk about this concept. Now, if you're gonna make an amazing movie and make millions of dollars off of that movie, and we're sitting at Starbucks having coffee, and I take that idea and I run with it and I make millions of dollars before you finish it, I just did what? Stole your idea. Why would that be a huge problem right now for obviously abort reasons? But really, the problem is, is that you knew that I had that conversation, so you knew I took it. What if while you were sleeping, I had my little minions come in and steal the idea out of your brain? You wouldn't know that I have it, so we're doing something. I had this idea for a movie when it was really yours, but you didn't know that I took it. See what's going on? That would make a cool movie, wouldn't it? Is that this movie? No. Yes. What's this movie? It's not stealing ideas, it's what? Now, if I said you're a mermaid, yeah, you laugh. <laughs> you laugh and you look at me, you're laughing, no. right? Because where'd you get that idea? From me. But if my little minions, uh-oh, is there something loaded here? A little bit. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but if, if someone planted that idea in your brain you didn't know it came from me and you believed it was you and it took out that I'm a human idea, You'd probably be walking around with a fork, singing, you know, <laughs> up where they walk, up where they, you know, you think you're a mermaid because you act like, uh-oh, I totally hit some chord here, I'm so sorry. Here's the scoop, ready? Now, this won't work for all of you, so some of you need to reverse it. If you don't believe in Jesus, then reverse this. But ready? Take the majority of Wheaton Academy students, and tonight while you're sleeping, we get Clinky and her minions, and Matt Hawkins and her minions, and Hockett goes to the guy, and Clinky goes to the girl, and tonight, while you're sleeping, they go into your subconsciousness and plant the idea that Allah is God. And they take out the idea that Jesus is Lord. Now, I want you to think of That's one idea. Ready? One idea. If you woke up tomorrow morning believing that, would that affect your day tomorrow? Oh, wait, 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 you guys. One idea would not just affect your day, it would affect what? You're in a Christian school. It would affect You're everything. So where where would you go to figure out if you really believe that? Who would you go talk to? Becca Kaufman. The people that you want. The people that you trust. What will you read? The things you trust. Where will you go to figure this out? You will go to what to trust. That's your current trust list, by the way. Let's see how we're doing. Hey, we'll come back. I'll see you guys on Thursday. We'll act out Allegory of the Cave. Don't worry. We'll finish these notes on Thursday after Cave. Have a nice day. Have a day filled with trust. Enjoy reality. Nice job today. Exactly. That's why it's all so crazy. That's why we have to have our little totem. So the next lesson that I'll do is a little totem. One of the things that we trust to ground us in the Okay. Yeah, that's another thing. I must find it. I do. Okay. Yeah, I don't. Do you have cash? There's vending machine on the roof. No, I have some in my car. Okay, I have to go to my locker. Give me a little piece. I need to make a PDF. Here's the scoop. Uh, you know what? It's, it's got to be out here. Or do we have a book? No, we don't. Here it is. I knew there was an. I gotta go make some more of these. Thank you.
Yeah, but how come for some reason you couldn't find an audio book on the, the Prophet of the Merc? Or like you like I couldn't find it anywhere. Like Because it's an introduction to orthodoxy from a specific publication that's gone now. Yeah, like I couldn't find it anywhere. It's like it's not awesome. Well you know what's really interesting is to set that up. I looked and looked and looked and looked and looked. I couldn't find something. I didn't have the PDF. Um, I'll make one probably tomorrow and I'll put it up there. Well, but we've got it. Oh no, the audio doesn't exist. No, that doesn't yeah. exist. But like, I couldn't find it anywhere on the internet either. I was yeah. like, where in the world? It's because this, you know, Image Books published it, and they grabbed him and his intro. It's a great intro, though. It's it's perfect. It's like nine pages, easy to read, and gets you hooked on chapter two. Are we turning this in as well, or is no? It's just notes. That's just notes. Here, so. okay. Sweet. So that's gonna be like red it's for Friday. We'll probably get to it by Friday because we'll finish up. We'll finish up allegory of the cave. We'll finish up the trustless stuff, and then we'll talk about Chesterton and then idealism the next week. We're in. That makes sense. Yeah. So. Yeah, you see that I just don't think I should go. Those are kind of. Are you coming, Josh? Like, yeah.